الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل ان كنتم تحبون الله فاتبعوني يحببكم الله ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم والله غفور رحيم صدق الله العظيم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters we have commenced with the new year our new year has commenced our year commences with the lunar calendar the lunar calendar as we know it as the islamic calendar So in terms of the lunar calendar we are currently in the first month of the new year behind the month of Muharram 1442 1442 after Hijra So this is the new year and our calendar our new year is what we should be considering what we should be remembering as far as the as we call it the english date the gregorian calendar so that because we are living now in a country where that is the date by which everything is calculated and the months etc are calculated in that manner so we will keep track of that for the sake of the need we'll keep track of it but not that we keep track of the english months the january february we know very well what date it is etc and we have no idea of what is the islamic date that is it muharram or is it safar or what date of the day of the month it is we should know the day the date in terms of the islamic calendar this is also a point that we had discussed previously that people asked the question that is it permissible to celebrate birthdays now somebody wants to celebrate their birthday so whether that is permissible or not that's the second question that's the second issue the first issue is that when is the birthday so now when sometimes once one person came to ask that is it permissible to celebrate birthdays So I asked him when is your birthday so he gave some date for example he said the 25th of august for example so now when he gave the date 25th of august so i responded to him and said but that's not your birthday so he felt surprised that does he know his birthday better or do i know it he's telling me 25th of august and i'm saying no So who would know his birthday better he would know it or i would know it how am i supposed to know whether it was some other day he knows his birthday better so he was feeling very surprised at it he said but what do you mean it's not my birthday that is my birthday in my id etc is all there recorded that's my birthday so no that's not your birthday your birthday will be somewhere whether it's muharram or safar or rabiul awwal or rabiul akhir or whichever month it would be that is your birthday so now you are asking about 
is it permissible to celebrate the birthday or not? But you don't even know when your birthday is, when you're going to celebrate it. If you're going to celebrate it, if it is fine, if it is permissible, when you're going to celebrate it. You don't even have any idea when the birthday is. So your birthday is not the 25th of August. That is just a coincidental thing that it coincided with the 25th of August. And now because of the land we are living in, and that's the date by which things are recorded, so the what is coincidental, that is what got recorded. But your original date is your Islamic date. So that's the thing that you are going to be remembering your as your birthday. And that is what you are going to be for your purposes at all times, knowing that this is your birthday. So when you don't even know when your birthday is, so where does the question of celebrating it even come up? So in any case, then he understood what I'm getting at. And then he said, well, okay, if I know when my birthday is, then what? Well, obviously, anything as a Muslim, anything we do, our direction comes from the Mubarak life of Rasulullah wasallam. And he has given us the instruction to then, apart from what he has directly taught us and taught the Ummad, then what the Khulafai Rashidin, the four great Khulafa, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala who was the first Khalif after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and then Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala after him Hazrat Usman Ghani radiallahu ta'ala and then Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala so primarily first these four Khulafai Rashidin Tamassaku bi sunnati wa sunnati al-Khulafai Rashidin al-Mahdiyin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam says hold firmly onto my sunnah my way and the way of my rightly guided Khulafa my rightly guided Khalifs these are the four Khulafai Rashidin and then subsequent to that the Sahaba Kiram in general and among them there are certain very prominent Sahaba who Rasulullah endorsed like Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud Hazrat Mu'az bin Jabal and many many other Sahaba that they are people who their direction and guidance must be taken so this is where our guidance comes from so anything we want to do in life we will turn to see what was their direction and guidance and who is going to tell us what was the direction and guidance from Rasulullah and the Sahaba Kiram it is the Fuqaha the jurists like Imam Abu Hanifa Imam Shafi etc they studied the Quran Sharif in depth and the Ahadith of Rasulullah very deeply likewise the lives of the Sahaba Kiram very deeply and then they presented what they found to be the rulings in the various matters and then as we come lower down in time <coughs> especially in things that are new issues that come up from time to time then those who are deeply entrenched in knowledge and have piety we will refer to them to get our direction the Quran Sharif very clearly guides us that ask the people of knowledge if you do not have the knowledge. Don't make judgments for yourself. Don't decide for yourself that what is on and what is not on. <coughs> what is right and what is wrong. Because if you don't have the knowledge, you are going to then make some very disastrous judgments. There are going to be certain things 
which you are going to say is wrong, whereas it might be right, it might be fine, you are going to then declare it wrong. Sometimes people go to that extreme, where things are not wrong, they are not impermissible, but sometimes because of the lack of knowledge, people go to that extreme and declare it impermissible. And then the other extreme, that a whole lot of things which are impermissible, clearly haram, but now people want to do their own thing, so they don't bother to ask people of knowledge and piety, and they do their own thing, as a result of which they just legalize everything. What kind of dressing is permitted, what is not permitted, they legalize. It's fine. Dress in anything. Dress in jeans and tops and whatever else. Carry on with life. Permissible. Everything is fine. Where to go, what to do, all fine. Everything fine. And whatever was never ever heard about in the Khairul Qurun, in the time of Rasulullah the Sahaba Kiram, the Tabi'een, and then which the fuqaha themselves also never permitted, all that just becomes now fine. Everything is fine. So where this comes from? It comes from not asking, not following, <coughs> not following somebody of knowledge and piety. So we shouldn't make these judgments for ourselves. We should always ask first. Don't ask afterwards. Meaning after doing something, then somebody now raises the question, then because somebody raised the question first, we get offended. But now why this person is raising this? What he thinks about me? And why is always picking on me? Now that was the first reaction. Whereas that too is a wrong reaction. Why should we be thinking somebody is picking on us? If they are telling us that this is not permissible in deen, if we are not sure about whether the person is saying something right or wrong, to start off with it could be right. And if it's a person of knowledge, then we should rely on that. But if it is something we are unsure about ourselves, that whether what this person said is genuine or he is making a mistake, but the chances are that what he is saying is correct, so there is no need to get into a, an argument or debate or feel offended. At the most, if we are not 100% sure about what he is saying, then we ask somebody later who is of greater standing in knowledge and piety, we inquire and we'll get the answer and we take it from there. So there is no need to get offended if somebody has corrected us about something, raised an issue that look, this kind of dressing is not on, is not correct, this place is not right to go, then we listen to it and if for any reason we are doubting whether what this person said is correct or not, then we find out. We don't jump to conclusions and just start rejecting it offhand because we might be rejecting something correct. The person has said something correct and we are rejecting it. So, coming back to we, we started off at the point where we were saying that it is the new year, the first month of the new year, Muharram. This is our month, this is our year, this is our calendar and we should be keeping track of this. And then the aspect we were just talking about was birthdays and so on. So obviously we take our direction from these sources. And in the time of Rasulullah in his Mubarak life, thereafter, after he left this dunya, there was never a thing like celebrating birthdays. So when this was not established from Rasulullah from the Sahaba Kiram, from the Tabi'een, from the Tabi'een, from the Fuqaha, from the jurists of Islam, 
So obviously, it's not established anyway. So this is not in order. It's something to be refrained from. It's something that has come from the Western lifestyle or from somebody else. So that's one point to nevertheless bear in mind that our calendar is the Islamic calendar. And our calendar is what we should always remember. Daily we should know what is the Islamic date. Then for the need, we will keep track of the English calendar as we call it, the Gregorian calendar. We will keep track of that as well. Then the second aspect is that this is a very Mubarak month. It's a very auspicious month, the month of Muharram. And in this month, there are virtues that have been mentioned for various amal by Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Among these is that in this Mubarak month of Muharram, any fast that a person keeps, any day, this whole month, any day, according to the riwayat of Tabrani, the person gets the reward of fasting an entire month. So one fast equals 30 fasts. One fast of Muharram, any day in Muharram, equals 30 fasts. So subhanallah, what a tremendous reward. We will find in the life of Rasulullah wasallam, fasting played a very, very prominent role. One is the month of Ramadan is Farz. So that's very clear cut. The whole Ummah knows that. But apart from the month of Ramadan also, throughout the year, Rasulullah among his various forms of ibadat, he would spend long parts of the night in Salah and excessive zikr and so many other forms of ibadat. Among that, the very prominent ibadat that he used to be engaged in was fasting. Mondays and Thursdays he was keeping fast. Then the Ayyame Bees, the 13th, 14th and 15th of the lunar calendar, he would be fasting. Then sometimes they say, the Sahabiyat say, Azwadi Mutahharat explain that he would just go on fasting continuously for so many days, we would think that he's going to fast the whole month this time. Meaning Nafil fast. Because this Nafil fast, the fast itself, fasting has a tremendous impact on the soul. And it really boosts the spiritual side of a person, the ruhaniyat, the spirituality. So we find that this is a very, very prominent ibadat. And very highly stressed in terms of a person's dini progress. The mashayikh, ahlullah, you'll find this a very common trait in them. Fasting every now and again, nafil fast. So this is something to learn, obviously, those who are studying deen, etc., then that is the priority to get the knowledge correctly. Right now, on the free days, etc., you should try and fast. But if somebody can combine both, that they are fasting also and not shirking in their work and responsibilities, very good, that's ideal. In any case, coming back to the virtue of Muharram, one fast equals 30 fasts. Then, in terms of the month of Muharram, a very special occasion comes, which we are familiar with. Every year we listen to the virtues of this occasion. And once again, this is the revision of that. And we keep, we always need this revision. We have to keep revising. So the occasion that comes is the day of Ashura, the 10th of Muharram. The 10th of Muharram is known as the day of Ashura. Ashura 
comes from Ashar, the tenth. Now this virtue, the virtue of the tenth of Muharram, has been mentioned in the Hadith Sharif. One Hadith Sharif explains <coughs> that before the month of Ramadan became compulsory, meaning to fast in the month of Ramadan became compulsory. It was the day of Ashura that was compulsory. So subhanallah, in terms of being farz, Ashura preceded Ramadan. Then, now that was one fast in the year. Then Ramadan became compulsory, the whole month that now became necessary and compulsory to fast. And Ashura was now left as a nafil fast. But Rasulullah was constant in keeping this fast. So to start off with, if this was the position of Ashura, that before Ramadan became compulsory, this was the one compulsory fast, we can imagine what a great occasion this is. What a great day this is. That it was compulsory to fast first in this day. Nevertheless, Rasulullah then said this is now left to the individual. If he wishes to fast, he may fast. And if he doesn't wish to fast, he is not obligated to do so. But there's tremendous rewards. There's tremendous benefits. And a person who can manage to fast, he should try and fast. So we can all try. Illa mashallah, somebody is very ill, somebody is weak, some, there's some other reason. Obviously it's not first. But other than that, we should try. In one hadith sharif, it is reported that Rasulullah said, the person who fasts on the day of Ashura, this is a compensation for the sins of the past year. For the sins of the past year, the minor sins, this compensates for that. We take it for granted, we say minor. Minor is not something that insignificant. We must not confuse these two things. Because whatever disobedience has happened, it's a major thing. In itself, it's a major thing. But yes, in the categories of sins, there are some sins which are declared as major because those are even more serious and some are declared as minor because they are not as major as the other bigger sins. Like for example, somebody, one person, Nauzubillah, he is, he committed murder and somebody else, he injured someone wrongly. Now both are major sins, but murder is murder and injuring somebody, hurting somebody wrongfully, that is not to the extent of murder, is not such a serious level as murder. But in itself, in itself is very serious also, because a person will end up losing all his amal to the person who he had harmed, if he didn't seek his forgiveness, didn't sort it out in dunya. So we shouldn't, when we hear the word minor, we shouldn't think of something to be insignificant. Because this we have been warned about in the Hadith Sharif, that don't regard anything as insignificant, any sin as insignificant. Because Allah Ta'ala takes a person to task for everything, if he wishes to. So, when we hear these kind of virtues, we should be very eager that it's going to wipe out what has been regarded as minor sins, but they are all big things for me. For me, it is not a small thing, it's a big thing. So, mashallah, what an opportunity that now by keeping this fast for Allah Taala, it will become a means of compensation for the sins. So, inshallah, we should all try, make the niyat from now, 
encourage others at home, encourage our classmates, our colleagues. And inshallah in this way, we all will tremendously benefit in the times that we are passing, the situations that we are experiencing. There is a need for increased amal. This is what we are supposed to be doing. Increase our amal. And among the very great amal is fasting. Now generally on a normal week, on a normal month, we find it very difficult to fast. But such a great occasion, why should we let this go now? If a person can't fast every week, can't fast even every month, it's not for us. But at least the special occasions, the special occasions we shouldn't let that go. So we should try, we should try the best as we can. In any case, the fast of Ashura is a very virtuous occasion and tremendous benefits and rewards have been mentioned in the ahadith of Rasulullah Then with regards to this fast, Rasulullah was already keeping this fast and it came to his attention that the Jews also keep this fast. On the 10th of Muharram they also fast. So Rasulullah inquired from them that why do you fast on this day? What's your reason for fasting? Nabi Islam was already fasting from before he came to know about this. But he came to know now that there is a common matter, it's coinciding with the day that they also fast. So he inquired from them that what is the reason you fast? So they replied and said that it was the 10th of Muharram that Allah Ta'ala freed Musa Salam or gave him and Bani Israel salvation from the clutches of Fir'aun. Allah Ta'ala made the way out for Musa Salam and the Bani Israel to come out from the tyranny of Fir'aun and the cruelty and oppression of Fir'aun and Fir'aun and his army were all destroyed and drowned. So Musa Salam this incident when he was saved and the Bani Israel were saved, it coincided with the 10th of Muharram. So as a form of shukr to Allah Ta'ala, he fasted on this day. So now since it was a very great moment that Allah Ta'ala saved them, so he fasted on this day. So the Jews said, we also now in emulation of this, as shukr, we also fast. Rasulullah replied and said, We are closer and more worthy of Musa salam than you. You are just people who take his name, but you don't really have any closeness to him. We are the ones who are close to him. So, Nabi Islam said, We are the ones who are more deserving of this. But in any case, now that he come, had come to know that the Jews also fast on the 10th of Muharram, he wished to make a distinction and oppose their way. There shouldn't be conformity. There shouldn't be anything that resembles their way. So, he made a decision and explained to the Sahaba that لَإِن بَقِيتُ إِلَىٰ قَابِلٍ Now, there was still much time before the next Ashura. Rasulullah replied, said to them that if I am alive by next year when Ashura comes, then I will keep the fast of Ashura, but I will also join the ninth of Muharram with it. I will keep two fasts. I won't keep one. In another hadith, it is mentioned that Nabi Sallallahu said to them, "Sumu Ashura wa Khaliful Yahud, Sumu Yoman Qablahu or Yoman Baada." That keep the fast of Ashura, but oppose the Jews. How? 
by fasting one day before or one day after as well. So together with the 10th, either you join the 9th, so it will be 9th and 10th, or after the 10th you join one more day, 10th and 11th. Now there is a very great lesson here, that the fast of Ashura wasn't being kept because of the Jews. This happened to be a coincidence, which Nabi Wasallam came to know about later. So he wasn't fasting and neither were the Muslims fasting because of the Jews. It had nothing to do with them. That was a coincidence that they were also fasting. But despite this just being a coincidence, Nabi Wasallam still instructed the Sahaba that you should try to change this and make it two fasts. So now, you are not resembling the Jews. They keep only one fast, you are keeping two. You have broken that resemblance with them. So subhanallah, what a tremendous lesson that in even something that was coincidental and in itself was an ibadat, it had nothing to do with anything wrong, obviously. And then on top of that, that outer resemblance was coincidental. It wasn't even resemblance in reality. But even then, Nabi Wasallam emphasized that we should change the situation to a point where it doesn't resemble them outwardly also. Now, we need to look in our lives, look in our ways and habits, in our choice, choices and preferences, that how much do we prefer, how many things, how many aspects of day-to-day life we choose, we prefer, which are not in conformity to the Mubarak Sunnah of Rasulullah Wasallam. Rather, it is very much against the spirit of his teachings. And it is purely the way of the Yahud and Nasara and the fashions of the West and their styles and their way that jeans and top culture and the tight-fitting clothing culture and that shamelessness in the clothing and all the details that have been discussed many, many times about this dressing and the slide at which this dressing is going and the frightening pace at which it is just going down to the gutters. All this is something for us to take note of, especially on these occasions. And make decisions in our life. That I am going to now turn the tide. I am going to swim against the tide and I am going to help to turn the tide. These kind of situations require some people with himmat, with courage, who say, I will take on the odds. And I people who are who have determination they know what they need to do and they are people who are not just they not one is you get the strength of a lion the lion swims upstream it swims against the flow of the water and then you get the dirt the dirt just doesn't have any way to go upstream. It just goes with the flow. Whichever way the flow is going, that leaf, that grass, that dirt, it just gets washed in the same direction. Now this dirt has come from the west. This dirt of filthy kind of dressing, shamelessness. And it keeps getting worse by the day. From time to time people come, they discuss the situation, worried about now, should I go here or not go there? And that 
wedding should my daughters be allowed to go and attend that wedding and should my wife go and attend this function so but what's the issue involved there so the issue is now he says that now she herself is concerned that the last time she went to that function and that function there were so many people there obviously we're talking about Muslims we're talking about people from uh, people who have had knowledge to some extent of deen who have some understanding but now they dressed in a way that other women are feeling totally ashamed women are feeling ashamed of how some females are dressed and the entire back is open and all kinds of unimaginable things and it's now the rave it's the way that you see now that's how the things are going with all the halad that we are experiencing and all the signs that have come upon us that the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala how it brings about a whole change in so many things and people's lives become so complicated and difficult and the azab of Allah Ta'ala comes in so many ways but all that hasn't yet shaken us to think clearly that where we're heading that all these kind of things are contributing towards that azab the shamelessness in the functions so the people who come and ask these kind of things they are told where can it ever be permissible for to attend such a function it's not permissible you cannot go there you cannot see but then they say we're breaking ties and we're breaking see they breaking ties by hosting such a function where they're allowing such shamelessness so the person who like some people are standing inside a fire and they are some other relative is saying no I want to stand outside I'm not going to come in the fire see you're breaking ties you must come get burnt with us then only you are not breaking ties or some friends now or some people of, of one family, half a dozen cousins for example, are now taking some intoxicants and one cousin is saying, no, no, but I don't want to be part of this. So you see, you're breaking ties now. There's only six cousins, five of us are doing something and you don't want to do it. You're breaking ties. Now what do we... You see, these people are saying you're breaking ties because obviously they are taking intoxicants. They are talking in a state of intoxication. So they can't understand who's breaking ties. They are the ones breaking ties or the person who is doing the right thing. Is he breaking ties? So now an intoxicated person, how is he going to understand? So likewise, those who get intoxicated with Western fashion, those who get intoxicated with the ways of the Yahud and Nasara, those who get intoxicated with the ways of the people who are far away from Deen and Iman, now they get intoxicated with those kind of lifestyles. So now they talk in that intoxication and somebody who is wanting to do what is right, they make those people the culprits. Whereas those bicharas are the victims. The culprits are the people who are doing the things that are wrong, who are hosting the wrong functions, who are hosting the shamelessness in the functions, who are hosting all the kinds of evils there who are playing that music and allowing the intermingling, they are the ones who are the culprits. But now this is the dunya, that things get turned upside down. So the people who are the victims, they become the, called, they get called as the culprits. That they are the ones who are causing the problem. They are the ones who are doing, making everything go haywire and causing the commotion. And the people who are really responsible for the commotion, they are the people who are the heroes. So now this is the whole, everything being turned upside down. So this is a very great lesson for us. 
that mashallah the day of Ashura will come inshallah we all will try and make an effort obviously if somebody cannot make it or feels very very difficult to do it they're not obligated to do so but we should try we should try our best so mashallah we all inshallah will try to be fasting to take the great benefits and the great virtues of the 10th of Muharram and in order to comply with the directive with the, with the teaching of Rasulullah wasallam, we will be fasting on the 9th as well or the 11th either way 9th and 10th or 10th and 11th but now while fasting that additional day on the 9th for example we will fast so now that day we fasting on the night we must repeatedly bring this to mind why am I fasting today what is the reason for fasting today Ashura is tomorrow Ashura is on the 10th why am I fasting today I am fasting today because my Nabi wasallam has taught that oppose the way of the Yahud Sumo Khaliful Yahud so now I am being given this very 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 important and fundamental lesson that I must not follow the ways of the Yahud and Nasara. I must not follow the ways of the West. I must follow the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. I must follow in the Mubarak footsteps that he, of his Mubarak footsteps and the beautiful and noble example of the sahaba Kiram, of the Sahabayat, of the azwaj Mutahharat, of the Banatus Salihat, the noble and chaste daughters of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his noble and chaste wives and the Sahabiyat these are the people in whose footsteps I need to follow. What kind of haya they had. What kind of righteousness they displayed. What kind of great morals and values they had. This is the direction I have to take. I am fasting on the 9th. Why am I fasting on the 9th? I am fasting to give myself, obviously firstly to comply with what Nabi Wasallam taught. And at the same time I am giving myself this very very great lesson. So may Allah wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we bring these lessons in our lives. Just to quickly uh, finish off on the one more point, the virtue that has been mentioned, man wassa'a ala iyalihi, one hadith sharif, man awsa'a ala iyalihi, the person who will be generous upon his family on the day of Ashura, Allah ta'ala will be generous upon him throughout the year. So the 10th of Muharram is Ashura. The 10th starts off from the Maghrib from now in our case Saturday uh, is the Saturday night from Maghrib the 10th of Muharram commences and it continues till Sunday before Maghrib now that is the 10th of Muharram so now the person who spends on his family on this occasion now this becomes a very common question every year that now if I went and bought something and when I must feed my family or when I'm supposed to be now so the 10th of Muharram started on Maghrib. From Maghrib to the following Maghrib. That's the day. The, the night precedes the day. In the Islamic calendar, the night precedes the day. The, the date changes from Maghrib time. So now a person sees the moon. It's the moon of Shawwal, for example. So as soon as the moon was sighted, after Maghrib came out and saw the moon sighted, the first of Shawwal started. So now the first of Shawwal started from when? From Maghrib time. And it will continue till the next day till Maghrib. Then after Maghrib it's the second of Shawwal. So likewise the 10th of Muharram starts from Maghrib. Now the person says but I bought the food and so on. The extra things that I want to serve my family. Bought it on the 9th. So then did I get the virtue? But you can buy it on the 9th. You can buy it on the 8th. Buy it on the 5th. Buy it on the 1st also. 
The thing is, it be served on the tenth. So the virtue is attained. It's obvious that it doesn't mean now a person needs to go and spend the money to buy that food on the tenth. Now after Maghrib, he must go and buy something somewhere. So now by the time he sits down to get it cooked and so on, they'll sit down for have the meal after tahajjud. So maybe they'll have it in time for sahiri for the next morning. But that's not what's required and meant. What is meant is serving it to one's family on the tenth. So the tenth starts off from Maghrib to Maghrib. So whenever it was bought, some extra things, whatever to just uh, be a beyond the normal standard of things, something more, and it doesn't necessitate going beyond one's means, what is within one's means, within one's capacity, and not to go overboard also. So in any case, this too has a great virtue. Allah Ta'ala will then be generous upon him throughout the year. May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq to take the maximum benefit from these mubarak occasions. Allah Ta'ala bless us all with every khair and barakat. Wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف المعاد اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه المعين والحمد لله رب العالمين